Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. Hope you're enjoying a little bit of our seasonal music, some of the chant from my own Byzantine Catholic Church, the chant of the season of Christmas, our Lord's Nativity, the divine condescension, as we say in the Eastern theology, the great kenosis, the great self-emptying. This is the season of God's mercy. This is the holy year of mercy, and so maybe it's appropriate to open our program with the prayer the official prayer that we're using in the church for the Holy Year of Mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, send your spirit and consecrate every one of us with its anointing so the Jubilee of Mercy may be a year of grace from the Lord and your church. With renewed enthusiasm, bring good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to captives and the oppressed, and restore sight to the blind. We ask this through the intercession of Mary, Mother of Mercy, you who live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. What I liked about this prayer, well, there's many things about this brief little prayer, is that it ends with an invocation to the Holy Trinity. Normally in the Western Church, and this prayer, of course, came from the Pope, normally in the Western Church, it's customary to end many prayers with, through Jesus Christ our Lord, which, of course, is perfectly valid. But as an Easterner, and this is, of course, a program about the Eastern Churches, Eastern spirituality, we always conclude our prayers with an invocation to the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. It is a type of mercy, as I mentioned. Certainly, the incredible, unbelievable mercy of God that he would dare to become incarnate. As we say in the Eastern churches, he whom not even the universe could contain was contained within the womb of a virgin, making her more spacious than the heavens. And how does the creator become his own creation while remaining the creator? There's many, many beautiful 
paraphrases and poetic fragments in the liturgical worship of the Eastern churches during this time of year that bring us to really meditate on this incredible, incredible great mystery. There just isn't enough we can say about it. We can't find enough words. So we use analogy and metaphor and dogmatic hymns to try to grasp and express this incredible great mystery. And along with mercy, of course, comes the corporal works of mercy to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to care for the sick, to visit the imprisoned, to bury the dead. Now, one of those in particular stands out to me today because of a letter we got from a listener, the corporal work of mercy that says to visit the imprisoned. I never believed that this vehicle, this marvelous vehicle of radio, especially this particular program, and many thanks to EWTN Radio, this program of Light of the East enables me personally, and also my church, to do this particular corporal work of mercy that I could never have imagined could have been possible, to reach out to those who are imprisoned. And one of you recently, as many of you do from time to time who are in prison, who hear us, write to me. I received a letter recently from Scott, who's serving some time in Littleton, Colorado, and this is what Scott says. Dear Father Tom, Light of the East, I wanted to write a letter of thanks for your radio show. There is a small community of Orthodox Christians here in Federal Prison that listen to Annunciation Parish on AM 1060 KRCN Denver. Being in prison, we are very limited on access to Eastern Christian materials. It seems that there are plenty of Protestant resources, though. It was refreshing to find a radio show about Eastern Christianity. Our community is quite small, but we are all tuned in on Sunday morning to hear Light of the East. We just wanted to let you know that you have an audience here and to say thank you for bringing the Light of the East Christianity to the radio. Sincerely, Scott. Scott, I want to thank you for your letter and say hello to your fellow inmates there. Your little community, as you mentioned, especially those who are of the Eastern Christian persuasion, either Eastern Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, or just those who are interested in it. We're absolutely humbled, thrilled, joyful, humble, grateful that we can bring Eastern Christianity to those of you, especially who are in prison. So really, really, really appreciate hearing from you. And speaking of letters, Pope Francis sent a letter recently to the ecumenical patriarch, Bartholomew. He's the head of the Greek Orthodox Church, probably the most prominent Orthodox patriarch in the world today. There are a number of patriarchs, but he's the most prominent. He's an amazing individual. I had the privilege of meeting both of them about a year ago at this time, just over a year ago. In fact, Pope Francis was preparing to go see Bartholomew at that time. He was going to visit him on November 30th, which, as you may know, if you tuned into the liturgical calendar of the churches. Now, in this case, though, it's the calendars of both East and West. It was the feast of St. Andrew, the apostle, celebrated in both churches, east and west, both lungs of the church, which is precisely why there's always a communication or a get-together between the Pope of Rome and the ecumenical patriarch. Well, when I was there last year when I visited Pope Francis and we told him we were going on to visit his friend, Patriarch Bartholomew, he told us, say hello to him for me. I'm on, on my way over there in another month. <laughs> so it was kind of neat. It was kind of like the Pope wanted to play in our game. You know, it was our game. He wanted to play along. You know, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And both of them greeted us very warmly. I had a lot of fun with the Patriarch. He, in fact, he joked about my height, you know, because I'm 6'3", and maybe I don't sound like I'm 6'3". Sometimes people say, you don't look like you sound on radio. <laughs> but that's common for radio. Anyway, I'm 6'3", and he's, he's much shorter than I am, so he joked about my height when it came up to greet him. So, and he gave us little chocolates, a very memorable meeting. 
But this year, Pope Francis wrote a beautiful letter to Bartholomew. I want to share that letter with you. Just as I share the letter from Scott from prison, I'm going to share this fraternal letter with you during this time of, of mercy, as we move more and more towards the ultimate act of mercy, the incarnation of our Lord on Christmas. So the Pope writes this, Your Holiness, beloved brother in Christ, a year has passed since we celebrate together in the patriarchal church in the Fanar. Now, the Fanar is like the Vatican of the Greek Orthodox Church. The Feast of St. Andrew, the first called apostle and brother of St. Peter. The occasion was a moment of grace which permitted me to renew and to deepen in shared prayer and personal encounter the bonds of friendship with you and with the church over which you preside. It was with joy that I also experienced the vitality of a church which unceasingly professes, celebrates, and offers witness to faith in Jesus Christ, our one Lord and Savior. I am pleased once again to send a delegation of the Holy See to the patronal celebrations as a tangible sign of my fraternal affection and the spiritual closeness of the Church of Rome to your holiness, as well as to the members of the Holy Synod, the clergy, monks, and all the faithful of the ecumenical patriarchate. In our profound communion of faith and charity, and grateful for all that God has accomplished for us, I recall the 50th anniversary on the 7th of December 2015 of the Joint Catholic Orthodox Declaration of Pope Paul VI and the ecumenical patriarch Athenagoras I, which expressed the decision to remove from memory and from the midst of the Church the excommunications of 1054 A.D. The memory of the mutual sentences of excommunication, together with the offensive words, groundless reproaches, and reprehensible gestures on both sides, which accompanied the sad events of this period, represented for many centuries an obstacle to reproachment in charity between Catholics and Orthodox. Attempted to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ, who prayed to the Father on the eve of his passion that his disciples may be one, Pope Paul VI and Patriarch Athenagoras I, consign these painful memories to oblivion. Since then, the logic of antagonism, mistrust, and hostility that had been symbolized by the mutual excommunications has been replaced by the logic of love and brotherhood, represented by our fraternal embrace. While not all differences between the Catholic and Orthodox churches were brought to an end, there now existed the conditions necessary to journey towards reestablishing the full communion of faith fraternal accord and sacramental life which existed among them during the first thousand years of life of the church. Having restored a relationship of love and fraternity in a spirit of mutual trust, respect, and charity, there is no longer any impediment to Eucharistic communion which cannot be overcome through prayer, the purification of hearts, dialogue, and the affirmation of truth. Indeed, where there is love in the life of the church, its source and fulfillment is always to be found in Eucharistic love. So, too, the symbol of the fraternal embrace finds its most profound truth in the embrace of peace exchanged in the Eucharistic celebration. In order to progress on our journey towards the full communion for which we long, we need continually to draw inspiration from the gesture of reconciliation and peace by our venerable predecessors, Paul VI and Athenagoras I. At all levels, in every context of church life, Relations between Catholics and Orthodox must increasingly reflect the logic of love that leaves no room for the spirit of rivalry. Theological dialogue itself, sustained by mutual charity, must continue to examine carefully the questions which divide us, aiming always at deepening our shared understanding of revealed truth, 
Motivated by God's love, we must together offer the world a credible and effective witness to Christ's message of reconciliation and salvation. The world today has great need of reconciliation, particularly in light of so much blood which has been shed in recent terrorist attacks. May we accompany the victims with our prayers and renew our commitment to lasting peace by prompting dialogue between religious traditions. For indifference and mutual ignorance can only lead to mistrust and unfortunately even conflict. I wish to express my deep appreciation for Your Holiness's fervent commitment to the critical issues of care for creation, for which your sensitivity and awareness is an exemplary witness for Catholics. I believe that it is a hopeful sign for Catholics and Orthodox that we now celebrate together an annual day of prayer for the care of creation on the 1st of September, following the long-standing practice of the Ecumenical Patriarchate. Your Holiness, it is incumbent upon humanity to rediscover the mystery of mercy, the bridge that connects God and man, opening our hearts to the hope of being loved forever despite our sinfulness. For this reason, I've called for an extraordinary jubilee of mercy, a favorable time to contemplate the Father's mercy revealed fully in His Son, Jesus Christ, and to become ourselves an effective sign of God's love through our mutual pardon and works of mercy. It is providential, the anniversary of that historic joint Catholic Orthodox declaration concerning the removal of the excommunication of 1054 occurs on the eve of the year of mercy. Following Pope Paul VI and Patriarch Athenagoras I, Catholic Orthodox today must ask pardon of God and one another for divisions that Christians have brought about in the body of Christ. I ask you and all the faithful of ecumenical patriarchy to pray that this extraordinary jubilee may bear the spiritual fruits to which we yearn. I willingly assure you of my prayers and the events that our church will celebrate in the year to come, especially the Pan-Orthodox Great Synod. May this important occasion for all Orthodox churches be a source of abundant mercies for the life of the church with fraternal affection in the Lord. I assure of my spiritual closeness on the joyous feast of the Apostle Andrew, and I willingly exchange with your holiness an embrace of peace in the Lord Jesus. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about this wonderful letter from Pope Francis to Patriarch Bartholomew. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Why does St. Nicholas deliver gifts under the cover of night? Well, that tradition began in my hometown of Patara in Asia Minor when I came to the help of a destitute man who had three grown daughters. He was so poor that he could barely feed them. Because he was so desperate, he was tempted to sell them into slavery. Then I remembered the words of Jesus who said, When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. And so I put together three bags of gold coins and tossed them through the window at night to help them. That was the first of my midnight visits. And that's the reason to this very day, even when I'm dressed as Santa Claus, I still deliver gifts under the cover of night. May the same love, joy, and peace that the angels proclaimed on that first Christmas animate your own heart to give hope to those most in need. For Christ is born. Glorify Him. <laughs> You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute. 
which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. If you were with us in the first part of our program, you listened to the reading, as I read, the letter of Pope Francis to Patriarch Bartholomew, the ecumenical patriarch of the Greek Orthodox Church. And this was sent to him on the feast of St. Andrew the Apostle, which was November 30th. The reason why this is significant, why I read it today, was not only because it was, I think it was a fine message to the patriarch, but also because this is the season of fraternity. I mean, this is why Christ came into the world. His incarnation was to bring healing, to bring unity, to bring love, to show the way, to incarnate God's love and God's presence into every aspect of creation. So there would no longer be hate and division, although, of course, Christ's coming did result in even more hate and division and persecution. But in another way, it brought about, it ushered into the order of creation, this sense of unity, a fraternity of love. I mean, he, he witnessed it. He incarnated it. It's up to us to choose to live it and to follow it. This is why we immerse ourselves in these great feast days, and we do so through the liturgy and the customs and traditions that, that are connected with our liturgy, the things we do in our home, in other words, the domestic church, the prayer and fasting we're doing in preparation of this. The church and the church alone, especially through its liturgy, immerses us in the reality of these events. One time someone asked Pope John Paul II, why does God allow things to happen that are so bad? Why doesn't he say something or do something? People ask him that in the midst of many of the horrors that we see in our modern time, you know, terrorism and abortion and so on. And Pope John Paul II said, well, hasn't our Lord Jesus Christ said everything that could be said? Hasn't he done everything that could be done? He gave his life. He came from heaven and carded in himself incarnated himself among us, gave his life for us, rose from the dead, and mounted our very nature on the throne of heaven, and then sent the Holy Spirit. So his, his presence would always be among us. What else should he do? It is up to us to choose to live according to that good news, to that vision that he gave us through his own person, his own very body and blood. And this is what this season is about. These corporal works of mercy I mentioned, there's also spiritual works of mercy to convert sinners. I know that those of you who are listening in prison, I know you, you're hard at work at that because some of you write to me and with great pride, a good kind of pride, <laughs> and, and a testimony to the Holy Spirit working in you, you, you tell me about how you convert and bring good news to some of your fellow inmates. I love hearing about that. It's a spiritual work of mercy. Also to instruct the ignorant, to advise the doubtful to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive injuries, and to pray for the living and the dead. Again, the corporal works of mercy feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, care for the sick, visit the imprisoned to bury the dead. And then the spiritual works, once again, convert sinners, instruct the ignorant, advise the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, 
to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive injuries, to pray for the living and the dead. You know, the more we immerse ourselves in, in our faith, as I hope I am helping all of you to do through this program, especially in the faith, the spirituality of the Christian East, the more we do, the more we actually find out how rich our faith is and how privileged we are to be the recipients of that faith. There's not a day that goes by, especially after my own father passed away. It'll be, in fact, it's just two years ago this very week. And my own brother, it'll be two years and a few months. You know, when you have family members that pass away, especially in proximity to each other, it does make you reflect. We should always reflect, but it does make you reflect even more. It makes you reflect on what someone like my father gave to me, what he bequeathed to me, what he witnessed to me, the greatest treasure he could give me, the reason for his own being, as he said us, as he said to us growing up, his children, says, my purpose on earth is to bring to you the faith of God so that when you die, you can go to heaven. He knew that was his purpose as a father, as a man, as a person on earth. And I think about that as I invite you to during this time as we prepare for the entrance into the great mystery. I ask you to think about that and to realize and to be thankful for faith that has been passed down to you. However it has been passed down to you, it is a privilege and a blessing. It is a blessing among anything we could possibly imagine or desire. You know, whenever I see on the television the horrors of our time, I'll come across in whatever medium of the news. I don't just look at someone like a terrorist and say, well, look at those terrible people. Look at those terrible things or people locally doing bad things in, you know, Chicago area, street gangs and so on. I just don't look at that and get enraged and say, look at those terrible people. I look at that as a mirror to myself because it makes me think of two things that I invite you to think about. It makes me think about the fact that, as the saying goes, it may sound trite, but it is true. There but for the grace of God go I. What's the difference between that person I'm seeing doing something horrible and me who could sit here and talk about the gospel in Eastern Christianity in this medium of radio? What's the difference? The difference is I was given something. I didn't choose it. I was given something as a gift. I was raised in the faith. And maybe that other person was not. They never heard the good news. It doesn't excuse bad actions. But we take those bad actions, and as always, this is the miracle of our faith, we turn them into something good. We're turning them into the good of self-reflection, of gratitude, of humility, of knowing what we've been given. But it also makes me think about my own failures, my own sin of neglect, that no matter what I think I am doing or not doing wrong, I'm not doing enough to help other people come into the gospel. If we were all doing more than we think we are doing now, maybe we wouldn't see so many of these poor souls in the news, whether they be terrorists or criminals, whatever. Maybe there wouldn't be so many if more of us were doing what we are supposed to do. We may think we're doing it, but believe me, whenever I hear of something, a crime, a terrorist, I always think of myself and think, what am I not doing that could help prevent this and help bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to these poor souls? When I say poor souls, I don't mean I feel sorry for them. Like, I know we have to have a righteous anger. I feel sorry for the fact that they didn't get the message. Because if you got the message, how could you be like that? See, that's the difference between me and them. I got the message, not by my own choice, but by God's providence and the witness of others. And during this time of year, what we do in the Byzantine church, we reflect on that, but we do so 
even beyond our own families. We do so in the people of the Bible. This Sunday and next, what we focus on in the Eastern churches, brilliantly, brilliantly we focus on this. How ingenious. We focus on those who came before Christ, the people to whom God first entrusted the plan of salvation, the covenant. We focus on the patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the holy people that came before Christ. We call this the Sunday of the Holy Forefathers of Christ. The next Sunday, it's similar, but it goes even further. It's all the ancestors of Christ. And what the church is telling us, and it's a great lesson for us, that even in the person of Jesus Christ, faith was a gift. Faith came through others, through generations, through their faithfulness, through their witness. And only because of that do we have faith. The Lord Jesus Christ grew up in the tradition of his ancestors, of the patriarchs. Yes, he was God. He was also man. He was a Jewish boy that grew up hearing the stories, reading the scriptures, reading Isaiah, the prophets, the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses. He inherited that faith. He immersed himself in it, though he was the one that gave faith because he was God. Again, that's the great miracle this time of year. The Creator becomes his creation. He takes on the nature that was in need of redemption, though he himself did not need it. So we look back in gratefulness, not just to Jesus Christ, that would be enough, but to who and what came even before him. And we marvel at God's plan of salvation, so ingeniously worked out so long ago, so that all of us and those after us would be saved. I thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes, Light of the East is produced by ADC Media.